My name is Brett, and it is my joy to be opening God's Word with you, and it is my joy to be adding one final announcement to you, and, and I saved this one. I, I said I get to do this announcement because it's celebratory, not just informational. <laughs> um, our, our Advent giving campaign this year uh, for 1018, a new ministry that we're starting here in, in the beginning of, uh, very early here in 2022, 1018 is designed as a ministry to help equip all of us to participate in caring for refugees, the working poor, and single parents in our city. And so we, we wanted to, to lay a good foundation and to build kind of a framework of that. And so, yeah, you gave almost $120,000 for that. So praise God. Um, every year, I go, through the same, I go through the same kind of emotional experience with this, just so you know. It's horrible, and then it's awesome. And so our elders know this because they care for me through it. I I bring some kind of plan and some kind of idea to the elders, and we all sort of wrestle through what we should be giving to, uh, you know, what our Advent giving campaign should be. People from the congregation, you start asking me in October or November, what's the Advent giving campaign going to be? Because we're getting excited for it, and we're building that plan, and we kind of make the plan, and then we launch it in the first week of Advent, and we launch it, and then... There's just very little giving, and it scares me. And I think this is the year I failed. This is the year I picked the wrong thing. This is the year the elders, they missed it. It's not just me, it's their fault too. And I go through a whole thing where I feel all of that, and then the second week I'm on my knees before the Lord going, Lord, is this, if, if, if you want us to change tack here, if we want to change into something else, just tell us because we just want to obey you and, and have the great peace from the Lord, but I'm still in turmoil because I don't trust him sometimes. And then by the end of the year, I'm going like, man, our church is so generous. Every single year we surpass the goal that we set. This is crazy. God has been kind to us, and so thank you, thank you, thank you. That's just a huge thank you. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a joy to continue to minister with our three churches across the city with congregations that are as generous as you. And so I just want to say thank you on behalf of all the elders and um, on behalf of those who are going to be forming this new ministry. We're really, really excited about it. All right? Yeah. Would you stand with me today for the reading of God's Word? Today's scripture comes from Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. As you're seated, let me pray for us. Father, we come to you today, this first Sunday of a new year. Uh, We come with all of the baggage that we are bringing in from the last year, maybe two Bring it all to you today, knowing that you're able to handle it. Just lay our burdens before you today. Your word says that we are to cast our anxieties upon you because you care. And so we do that right now, just together. We collectively just bring those things that are on our minds, those things that have overwhelmed us and concerned us, those things that have distracted us as we're trying to worship together. All all of that, we bring it to you because we know you can. And I pray this with great confidence because I know I'm not alone and I know that all of us bring varied burdens to you today. But God, I'm also praying this in deep confidence because I know that you take them. You give us peace in the place of our anxiety. You give us 
your strength in, in place of our weakness. And God, I thank you that because of the work of Jesus, you take our sin and you grant us righteousness. And so I pray today we would rest real deep in that and that you would do a work among us that we would not have believed if we had not experienced it. We pray that for this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to be back in 1 Corinthians next Sunday. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning chapter 5 next Sunday. This is where 1 Corinthians starts to get real spicy. It's where it starts to get real, it gets a bit intense. And so if you're reading ahead, you can check out 1 Corinthians chapter 5 as we go into that next week. Um, but I like to start the, the first Sunday of a new year with, with a bit of a focus, a bit of a focus on consecrating ourselves, setting ourselves apart unto God's service. Uh, just in the same way as we like to start with a week of fasting and prayer and get all of our priorities organized and straightened out again. I like to do that the way that we come into a, a new year. And, and, and what I'm preaching today is really meant to lead into our week of fasting and prayer. I want us to increase the intensity of our pursuit of God. I, I want us to set aside some time and even set aside some things that we might hunger after him in new and fresh ways. Really simply today, all I want to do is walk through Acts chapter 2, verses 42, and what you heard read, and just talk about the way that we can intentionally cultivate a posture of devotion. Intentionally cultivate a posture of devotion. And then I want to talk about the kind of community that posture of devotion creates. And then I want to talk about how God actually does that among us. So we're going to talk about a posture of devotion. We're going to talk about the transformed community that comes out of that, and then we're going to talk about how God does that. If you're looking for three words to guide our time together, you can, you can look at devotion or devoted, transformed, and then you can look at filled. This is what we're going to be looking at. Devoted and transformed and filled. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Okay, keep that up on the screen for me if you don't mind. It says, and they devoted themselves. It says, they devoted themselves. It says, devoted. Okay, sometimes we read the Bible too quickly. Okay, I, I'm guilty among us. Sometimes when you read the scriptures and you, you go, man, I really want to get to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers... They devoted themselves. Do you see this? What follows here, obviously, these, these four practices of the early church in Jerusalem, we're going to get to that. We'll talk about those things. But, but what if the most important thing in the text is not the four practices? What if the most important thing in this text is the posture in which they approached those four practices? The apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, those are great but they're only great if you devote yourself to them. They're just ideas. They're just things. If they're not things you devote yourself to. That says they, they, they devoted themselves. Now, don't mishear me. The practices are not unimportant. If you've been around here for any length of time, you know we love the scriptures and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I'm not trying to minimize those. I'm trying to elevate the reality that we must devote ourselves to them. The way we approach our spiritual practices is what reveals our spiritual temperature. 
Are we cold? Are we hot? They devoted themselves, it says. They were steadfastly attentive to. They committed to. They held on to. You could say they gave continuous, relentless attention to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. It's a picture of a community of people who have set their focus. This is a picture of them aiming their desires. You know, we are all desiring creatures. And what we aim our desires at really, really matters. It's our devotion. See, the book of Acts is written by a guy named Luke. He wrote Luke's gospel as well. The book of Acts is a historical account of of what the early church looked like. He's just describing what they were giving themselves to after they had come to faith in the risen Jesus. He's just describing what has gone on after they have recognized that Jesus Christ is both Lord and Savior, that he was crucified, dead, buried, and risen, that he is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, and that he sends his spirit to fill the church. Once they recognize all of that, this is a picture of what they were doing as a community, what they were devoted to, how they focused their desires on the things of God. Now, you just gotta, we're dropping into a book cold here, as it were. We just need to set the context a little bit to understand what's going on and why it's so important to see that they devoted themselves and how they devoted themselves. It says in Acts chapter one, previous chapter to the left in your Bible, the Jesus disciples were together in a group about this size. To all his disciples in the world at that point, in a room like this. For about 10 days, they were waiting on God together. They were waiting on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which had been promised by Jesus. He told them, go and wait. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, what we call the day of Pentecost, that promise came to fruition. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All Jesus' disciples in the whole world are in an upper room and they receive the Spirit just as he promised they would. And all of this happens as there is actually a huge gathering of thousands of people who traveled from all around to come to Jerusalem for a festival. This little group of people receive the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 says they go out and they begin to proclaim the excellencies of God. And what happens is they begin to proclaim the excellencies of God in the languages of all of those people who have traveled from all over the world to come to Jerusalem. They hear God being praised in their own native tongue by this little group of Galilean peasants who follow Jesus. Now, as this happens, Peter gets up and he explains about how this is the fulfillment of what was promised in the Old Testament. And he explains what God is about to do in and through them as his people. 
And he preaches the gospel of Jesus. He preaches a, a sermon. He says in verse 36, it says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Peter and the rest of the apostles, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for all your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God has called to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Who is Jesus to you? The text says he is both Lord and Christ. It means he is the king and the savior. See, you don't get to have him as Savior if he's not also Lord. And, and this is what struck the hearers of Peter's preaching. This is what struck those who heard God being praised in their own native language. There's something about this Jesus. And after repenting of their sin and being saved and receiving the Holy Spirit, I just want you to see what they did next. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Don't miss that. I, I just, I really want you to hear this. They didn't devote themselves until they had believed and received the Spirit. Once they heard the gospel and believed it and received the Spirit, they devoted themselves. They heard that Jesus had come to save them, that he is the Lord of all, that he died and was raised in power and glory, that he is seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over all. They repented of their sin. That means they turned away from it. They discarded their sin. They reoriented themselves toward God. They literally turned away from what they were chasing and they set their desire and their focus upon God instead. It was different. Then they were baptized and then they received the Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Then they devoted themselves. That's when they devoted themselves. They gave relentless attention then to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Their posture towards God was one of devotion. Their posture as a community was one of devotion. So you don't devote yourself to God because you hope that one day he might love you. You devote yourself to God because you've already encountered his love. Their devotion was a response to God's love, not a means of gaining or earning God's love. Their devotion was a response to the saving work of Jesus that they had heard proclaimed, that they had believed. Their devotion is a response to the lordship of Christ, that he is king, ultimate authority in this world. Their response of devotion was to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if our response to receiving God's love in Christ 
and being saved and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, if our response is indifference and lukewarmness and apathy, I don't know, I don't know what, what else we need. I don't know what else, I don't know how to fix that. Aside from returning to him once again. Repenting, believing, and being filled. G. Campbell Morgan said, lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. It just sticks in my mind as I try and figure out my own spiritual temperature. How do, how, how do I see it elevated? And repent of my sin, believe, and be filled with the Spirit. And then I devote myself. I don't devote myself because I want God to love me. God loves me, therefore I devote myself. And when my spiritual temperature cools, just like this room, which has no insulation in it whatsoever because it was built so long ago, you turn the heat up and the room cools. You turn the heat up and the room cools. The temperature of the room, the temperature of my spiritual vitality is decreasing. I need to repent of my sin, reorient my desires, devote myself, and be filled with the Spirit. They'll elevate again. So I want to talk about the apostles' teaching and our biblical life together in what the text calls the fellowship. And I want to talk about the breaking of bread, which I think is a picture of communion writ large. And I want to talk about the prayers, which I think is a really beautiful thing that we should be devoting ourselves to. I want to talk about all of that. I really do. But, but honestly, none of that even matters unless we're going to devote ourselves. It just doesn't. It's like that article you read yesterday on how to eat healthy. Okay. Having that show up in your browser history um, is not going to help you cultivate a healthy diet unless you devote yourself to it. And so like knowing what it is, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Like that new spin bike you got for Christmas because your friends or your husband or your wife or somebody just thinks you might need to drop a couple. Right? You got a new spin bike, or you got a treadmill, or you got a rowing machine. I just want to say I didn't get any of those because my wife loves me. Right? I did get a free pass to all of her classes, so maybe that's what that is. You can set that thing up in the corner of your room, and you can look at it, and you go, that is a nice-looking rowing machine. Whew! You walk over, and you touch it, and you go, mmm, that is nice. I know what that does. I can get 600 calories per half hour if I really go hard on that thing. Mm. Doesn't matter at all if you don't devote yourself to it. Okay. You can know everything there is to know about the apostles' teaching. You can know everything there is to know about the fellowship. You could give me the historical linguistic syntax of the original Greek word that's being used here and you can develop the whole idea all around me and it's wonderful, but if you don't devote yourself to it, it doesn't mean anything. You can know and, and sit down with me and have an argument about the breaking of bread and what that truly means and how we should truly do that here at Christ City Church. You can have an argument with me about the way that we should pray. Oh, written prayers, that's just dead. Oh, no, it's all extemporaneous prayers. And you go, extemporaneous prayers are not good because they're not theologically rich. And we can argue about it all day long, but if you don't devote yourself to it, it doesn't matter. 
If we're not devoted to the spiritual practices that we see in the scriptures, it's like having a diet app on your phone or an exercise machine in the corner of your room and ignoring both of them. It doesn't matter. What matters is our intensity of devotion to it. I just want this for us because I know that there's joy on the other side of it. And they devoted themselves. Intentionally cultivating a posture of devotion as a response to the work of the Spirit in your life will transform every aspect of what you do. It will transform your community. It will transform your trials and give you new, new perspective on the difficulties of life. It'll transform your joy. When you have a saving encounter with Jesus, where he takes your sin and he gifts you his righteousness, where you are declared a new creation in Christ, where your past is forgiven and your future is promised, then you can rejoice. I want to show you what Peter, who had experienced all of this on the day of Pentecost, I want to show you what he said in, in a letter that he wrote. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Is that not a scripture? I just want you to see what is promised to you in Christ and how it is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and reserved in heaven for you even now as he is holding you all together. This is yours. All of this is yours. And because all of this is already yours in Christ, oh, now you're free to devote yourself to him. There's no should here. Only that you can. I'm not going to stand up with a big stick and be like, you should do this. No. I posted this thing on my Instagram a couple days ago just because I was curious. And sometimes when I'm curious, then I ask questions. And then I ask questions and you give me answers. And then I sit back and go, whoa. Posted this thing on my Instagram. It was a poll about who makes New Year's resolutions. I just wanted to see where it was at. The crazy thing was I got all these questions from people saying, do you think we should? 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 What do you think? Do you think we should have New Year's resolutions? I was like, just, I just wanted an answer. I didn't want to have to work. <laughs> I was just curious. I was just curious. It's not about should. It's not about should. They devoted themselves. Not because Pastor Peter came along and said, you should. Oh, because they had their lives turned upside down, maybe put right side up. They had experienced the saving power of God. They had experienced the fellowship of being a part of the community. They had experienced the radical nature of celebrating communion together, where they remembered the work of Christ. They had experienced what it meant to be in prayer together as a community. We're going to see what the community looked like in a minute. We're going to look at that text, but there's no should. Just you can. This is what you're invited into. Look back at the text. Verse 42. I'm four words in now. This is great. 
They devoted themselves. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Okay, just to quickly look at these in order. I just, just want to touch on them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, I, basically, I, the way I'm looking at this, it's the Bible. They devoted themselves to God's word, to the scriptures. In a particular kind of way, but the apostles were teaching the whole story of God, which is the whole Old Testament, and then they wrote the whole New Testament. Right? So they were teaching the whole Old Testament and how Christ was the fulfillment of all the promises of God from Genesis onward. And then they wrote the New Testament showing how Christ is now the center of all things through the entire New Testament. So we see that. It's very Christ-centered in the way that we look at it, how he is the focused center of the whole story of God. It says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. This is, this is their life together. Coming to Jesus meant that you became part of the community of the church. Um, individualism is cast off, and you're free to be a part of the family of God. And because Jesus is the center, and the faithfulness, our faithfulness to Jesus is the goal, we have a community of mutual encouragement where we can actually discover that life together in Christ. That's the fellowship. It's not just hanging out, having nice little triangle-shaped sandwiches and drinking a little bit of tea together and calling that fellowship. It's actually the entirety of the way that we encourage one another in Christ. It's how we do all of the one another's of the New Testament. See, they devoted themselves to the fellowship because they had been united in Christ. It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. I already alluded to this. But they devoted themselves to celebrating and remembering the finished work of Christ. And he was at their very center as they, they shared a meal together. We're going to celebrate communion today. Probably in Acts chapter 2, it's talking about what we're doing today set within a larger context of a big meal. But it's still remembering the work of Jesus. See, the breaking of bread had Christ at the center. They devoted themselves to that. And they devoted themselves forth to the prayers. In the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly teaching on prayer, going off on his own to pray, teaching his disciples how to pray. In the book of Acts, we see in chapter 1, you could go back there and you could see how they were actually in, in a room together and they had devoted themselves to prayer, it says. When they were being persecuted, they prayed. When they saw deliverance, they praised. When Paul writes to the churches that he plants later on in the New Testament, he tells them to be communities that are devoted to prayer. And this is how the Spirit is at work in our midst when we pray together. They were devoted to the prayers. So they devoted themselves to Scripture. They devoted themselves to life together. They devoted themselves to the communion meal. And they devoted themselves to prayer. It's not a bad list if you're looking to flourish in Christ in 2022. It's pretty good. It's also a couple thousand years old, so I can guarantee it works. We've got some data. It's more than just a list. A life of spirit-filled devotion actually transforms us as individuals and as a community. What kind of community does that sort of devotion produce? Look at the rest of the text, verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs or many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This devoted community lived in awe of God. Again, we don't want to read the Bible too quickly. We want to see what it says. It says they witnessed the power of God in their midst. It says they saw radical generosity among their community, which means that others in their community experienced radical provision. They continued to meet together and to eat together, and they were a community marked with thanksgiving and joy. This is the kind of community that results from a spirit-filled devotion. It's magnetic. How do you think many were being added day by day to their community? It was a community in sharp contrast to the world around them. They stood out as different, which is why they were persecuted later on. They stood out as living a completely different kind of life because they had a completely different kind of God. And it was magnetic. People wanted to become part of it. That's our call too, to live as a contrast community in 2022 in the city of Vancouver. A contrast community. In a world that's not really amazed with anything anymore. I, I can't believe sometimes when I see stuff that's going on like, like we're, just, we're getting ready to send someone to Mars. Now, whatever you think about that and how dumb that is or how awesome that is, we're getting ready to send someone to Mars. That's amazing. Like, I think this is the grossest thing in the whole world, but there's like fake meat. <laughs> it's synthetic. It's not really meat. It didn't come from an animal. Now, again, think what you want about that. I think what I want about that. But that's crazy, right? We can feed people stuff that we made on our own. That's wild. But everyone's like, oh, whatever. About everything. Don't lose your awe. Like, don't lose your awe of God. God is the most creative person who's ever been in existence. And he's the most creative person who's always been in existence. And this whole world around us is his. And so when you go to the mountains, and when you go to the rivers, and when you go to the ocean, and when you study molecular biology, and when you study the physics of sending someone to Mars, and when you study whatever it is, be amazed because that's who he is. He made it all. It's all his. Stand in awe of who he is. Yes. In a world that is not really amazed at anything anymore, but just filled with cynicism, we can be in awe over who God is and what he's done. Contrast community. In a city that is, it's got all sorts of spiritual curiosities, we can explain how we've encountered and experienced the power of God. In a culture that looks for, you know, takes care of self first, we can experience 
radical generosity and radical provision is we care for others. In a world of loneliness and isolation, we just never give up on being together. In a world of frustration and disappointment, our lives can be marked with a supernatural joy. One of the most compelling things about Christianity is that it gives us meaning for suffering. And it also provides the means of continued joy in the midst of suffering trials. That's a contrast community. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I will. In a world that is so pro-euthanasia, because you know what? That person's suffering. Now, the only reason that we can persevere with joy in that is because we think our suffering has meaning. Every ounce of it. We don't, we don't want to just end it because there's suffering. We want to experience God's mercy in the midst of the suffering. And then we want to tell everybody about it. Because when we're suffering and still filled with joy, that simultaneous experience freaks people out. It's a contrast community to the way things go on all around us. In the church in Acts 2, we're seeing people saved day by day because the power of God was at work in and through them. They were standing out as different because they lived with a posture of devotion. And it created this vibrant community. And as great as all that sounds, and as desperately as I want that for myself and for each and every one of you, and for us as a community, as much as I want all of that this year, you just need to hear you can't do it on your own. You cannot do this in your own strength. None of it. Like zero. You try and do this in your own strength, you'll be miserable. And you'll try and figure out why Christianity is something that you wanted to be a part of. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you can live a life of devotion. We all need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit if we're going to be a community of devotion where we devote ourselves to God and a number of different things. So here's the objection, right? That doesn't square with my theology. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I believed. Okay? Like you're not going to out-conservative theology me, just so you know. Okay? But bring your Bible, because we can debate. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I believed. I don't need another filling. You saw a Pentecostal person do something crazy 60 years ago, and you're still afraid of it. Okay? John Wimber, who was, uh, in my opinion, wildly charismatic and awesome, he said, he said he thought that the Pentecostal church had a better experience of the Spirit than they did doctrine to explain it. Okay? You can't tell me that you were filled with the Holy Spirit when you were saved, and then that was it, and you don't need anything else. It's just not biblical. It's true, you were filled. It's false that that's all that you need. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing, okay? Look at Ephesians 5.18. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, let me tell you something I learned in my misspent youth. Okay? If I got drunk on Friday, and then I wanted to be drunk again on Saturday, I needed to drink again. Okay? Some of you grew up in sheltered backgrounds. I, this is new to you. If I got drunk by drinking on Friday, and then on Saturday night I wished to be drunk again, I could not count on that one time that I drank before that it would make me drunk. I needed to be filled again. (laughs) Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The, The translation, you could translate that as be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the emphasis in the text. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a once in a lifetime thing. There are examples all through the book of Acts about the repeated infillings of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you. Acts chapter 2. I already read this to you. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? Peter was part of that group. Yet, Acts chapter 4 says, when Peter had to stand up in front of the council and give an account, it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, okay, after he finishes giving an account to the council, he went and he found some of the other believers and he went to explain what happened. And it says they, they kind of got into a prayer meeting of sorts. Acts 4.31 It says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's four chapters of Acts, and that's Peter, by my count, three times. Don't tell me that you got filled with the Spirit when you first believed and that that's all you need. Don't reject a beautiful gift of God because you saw somebody abuse it once 20 years ago. On the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. As he stands before the council, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. As he gathers together with the rest of the believers, gets together with some of his friends, and they have a prayer meeting in the house that they're in, starts to shake, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Ephesus to be continually always being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit more than once. And some of you go, well, hey, look, I understand how how things work. And when you're full, you're full. And that's because you think of the Spirit's filling like a cup of water or your water bottle. And you filled it up this morning. And when it was full, it was full. And that's all there was, that it's all that it could hold. But that's not the way I think we should believe or, or think about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not like being filled as a cup or a water bottle. It's like being filled as a balloon. If I had a balloon, and trust me, I'm not cool enough to do object lessons, I would blow in it, and I'd go, and I'd have a little balloon. And I would hold that up to you, and I would say, how full is this? And the answer is, it's filled. But see, God is so powerful that when he breathes on you, you change. 
And that when he fills you, he doesn't just fill you to your current capacity. He actually changes you and you can expand as who you are in Christ. And you can be filled 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 because human beings are not static like a glass or a water bottle. We are dynamic and we can change and grow. And God shapes us with continued infillings of his spirit. So if you say, look, full is full. I'm full. I'm filled. Full. I'm good. I'm not good. I'm going to say yes, but you're only half right. You have been filled, but you could be more filled. Not because you are somehow empty, but because God can transform you. So today I asked our elders if during our response time when we're singing and celebrating communion, and I asked one of the other leaders in our church to come up to the cross, that any of you who want to experience a new infilling of the Spirit and you want someone to lay hands on you and pray for you, that you're going to come to the cross. I mean, this is what you can do. You can ask God to fill you anew and afresh to experience his power as you devote yourself to him in 2022. Some of you are out of gas and you're not quite sure how you're going to make it through this year. You need a new infilling. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this in your own strength. Some of you cannot seem to find joy in your devotion to God. It's because you're trying to do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to do it in your own strength. And trying to do this in your own strength is exhausting because you're not intended to be able to do this in your own strength. How about this? How about if 2022 was the year that you stopped trying to do it all in your own strength and you were just ready and willing to ask the Spirit to come and strengthen you, fill you, activate the gifts that he's given you, that you might serve him to his glory, that, that it might stir within you an inexpressible joy. Hey, if you're one of those people who right now you're going like, I ain't, no, I'm, I don't know, are these guys who are going to lay hands on me, these men and women who are going to come up to the cross and pray for me, are they just going to be crazy? Maybe. Maybe. I was pretty selective in who I asked, but I don't know. Maybe. And so you're sitting in your seat, you're going, you know what? This is probably okay for me. That's okay. Here's what you do. Get alone tonight. Repent of your sin. Be like David and pray and say, God, would you show if there's any wicked way in me? And repent of your sin. Confess it to God. And then say to him, now, Holy Spirit, fill me. I can't do this without you. I want to live a life of devotion, but I'm going to need your help. Come to the cross and pray that with others today. As we devote ourselves to the fellowship of being in life together, do that on your own. Whatever you do, don't let the sun go down tonight without giving yourself to the Lord in this, new way, in this new way, asking for a new infilling. Let's live devoted and transformed this year because we've been filled. Amen?